Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Our approach to tackling coronavirus is to prepare for the worst and work for the best. You need a totally different style of leadership. It's not enough to have a plan. You need to be testing, testing, testing. Britain and the EU, do they want to be seen as locking horns on an issue such as a no-deal Brexit when the economy is going to be suffering and people's lives are going to be facing so much disruption? Hello and welcome. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Caroline Hepke. Well, what else can we talk about today other than the corona crash? Airlines, theatres, supermarkets, the NHS, all taking increasing measures in the face of the virus. But the government here is not moving to full lockdown, unlike most of our European neighbours. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson will chair a meeting of the COBRA Emergency Committee on Monday afternoon, 3.15, and having... uh, spoken to the G7 leaders about the virus response. Then also from today, there will be a daily televised briefing with the PM or a senior minister plus the medical advisers as the government tries to address the concerns that not enough is being done in the face of the health crisis. Of course, we had Grant Shapps, the Transport Secretary, out in force this morning, insisting that the government's take is the right approach. It's important that we do not get knocked off the course of what this country has has done very well so far, which is to follow the medical and scientific advice rather than uh, doing things which just sound good but perhaps don't have the right impact at the right moment in time. Okay, looking for the right impact then. Well, Boris Johnson is going to ask UK manufacturers to help build medical equipment in a direct appeal to businesses for help. All of this, of course, as we get a second MP, Kate Osborne, revealing that she has been diagnosed with the coronavirus. Well, the government is trying to reboot its strategy. Joining us this morning is Bloomberg's EMEA News Director, Stuart Wallace. Great to speak to you, Stuart, this morning. So the government has faced this absolute barrage of criticism from health officials, mathematicians, the World Health Organization, Singapore, you name it, about whether the UK is really doing enough. Has the UK government got the balance of risks wrong? What's the view of of the government here? I mean, I think they're working on the view that they've been working on this. An exceptionally well-qualified team has been working on this for many, many years. Precisely this scenario, and this is the um, they think the best way of approaching this. So I would caution against, you know, everyone's got a view on this at the moment. Sure. Uh, everyone is suddenly an expert, even though apparently we stopped listening to experts, but about that's, they're back in vogue. Um, so that being said, you know, I am not an expert either, so I don't really feel in a position to say is the UK strategy the right one or not. What I would say, it seems to be founded on exceptionally uh, uh, sort of an exceptionally long-run plan uh, mm. run by exceptionally well-qualified people. Okay, so then... What about the increase in the number of deaths that we saw over the weekend? Obviously, you know, that uh, is a shock uh, in the UK that that there were so many more deaths just Mm. in the space of a day. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that to, to some extent, that's the, the nature of a pandemic like this is that you get a doubling rate that can look and is extremely alarming. Uh, but again, you know, looking at the, the examples we've seen in China and South Korea uh, and, and I suppose to a lesser extent in Italy, um, it seems to be following the same pattern. And again, there doesn't seem to be a change in the way that the government is characterizing this in terms of where the UK is relative to other countries that have been dealing with it. I think mm. we're still, we still look like we're about four weeks behind Italy. Okay, so then what about another COBRA meeting then today and also this announcement that there will be daily briefings? I mean, what can we expect from that? Obviously, um, we have had the Prime Minister speaking with, you know, flanked by the Chief Medical Officer, Chief Scientific Officer. Is that kind of another measure that could reassure the public? Yeah, it certainly seems to help when they do it. And and, and I think it is fair to say that when uh, the public feel it's being briefed uh, transparently and regularly, that's certainly going to help matters. I would say the existence of social media is certainly not helping matters mm. because I've seen an awful lot of nonsense out there on a daily basis. So, so yeah, that's not helping. Uh, but yes, I mean, I think showing leadership is probably not a bad option right now and, and, and confidence and ex- really explaining to people why are you taking this strategy? And I think the chief medical officer has been particularly effective in that regard and comes across as an extremely credible person. Um, and it is about reassuring people at this stage because, you know, if we were being hit by Ebola or SARS or MERS, fair enough, um, you know, it's a different response. But what they're consistently trying to point out is this is a different type of disease that needs to be dealt with in a certain type of way, or we think this is the most effective way of doing it. And then you listen to the evidence and make up your own mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think your point about news is is so important, isn't it? I mean, I watched, um, obviously, the, the Prime Minister speaking on television, linear, very old fashioned. But, you know, when you look at the numbers of, you know, anyone under the age of 35, that's just not how they're consuming information. And so to another age demographic, the idea that the over 70s will have to self-isolate. And Matt Hancock said that this is coming within weeks. That's kind of been the message now for the last 10 days to 14 days hasn't it yeah and, and i think we'll continue to be so again other countries have had total lockdowns all events banned restaurants bars closed you know basically everyone quarantined and that is one approach and the uk government is taking a different approach they're saying we can sort of see the way this thing develops we kind of know when we need to flatten out the peak in terms of infections uh, in terms of the, the the caseload on the national health service uh, and we think if we do things in these stages that will be the most effective way of dealing what with what will seem to be an inevitable you know, mm. increase in the numbers. Yeah. Uh, having said that, I do think that people are voting with their feet and certainly companies are taking a great deal more action perhaps than even the government is. London Underground, a drop of 19% in passenger numbers mm. last week. So, you know, pe- people are already kind of trying to take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Although, I mean, again, I would say, you know, judging from the papers this morning, uh, there was a massive concert in Wales yesterday. There was another one in Scotland, mm. each of which had tens of thousands of people at them. Yes, some people are voting with their feet. Quite a lot of other people are carrying on as normal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Really good to speak to you. Bloomberg's EMEA News Director, Stuart Wallace, as, uh, yeah, we digest the government actions. We've got a new, uh, we've got a new daily briefing that's going to be coming from the Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the medical experts after the COBRA emergency meeting which takes place at 3.15 on Monday afternoon so it could be sort of right in time for tea time that you'll get that uh, new information but the other thing that uh, obviously is is eye-catching and uh, very difficult for travellers 
airlines worldwide shrinking operations to barely a trickle of flights. British Airways owner IAG now saying that they will slash capacity for April and May by at least 75% amid essentially the collapse in demand as well as government restrictions. And then the bulk of services are to go at Air France KLM and also Ryanair in the face of the virus. So joining me also today is Chris uh, Jasper, who is EMEA uh, transport and uh, aviation editor at Bloomberg. Um, Christopher, thank you so much for speaking to us. How do you assess then the virus and um, the, the the threat to the future even of healthy travel companies uh, and, and not least, of course, to many travellers who will be stranded all over Europe, the ski resorts in France, I notice, and elsewhere? Yeah, I think there are two aspects to this. One is the most immediate one of that huge travel dislocation that we're seeing globally, uh, massive confusion about um, whether people can travel or not. The answer is usually not, but sometimes that means that uh, the situation regarding refunds is is not entirely clear, people wondering whether their travel insurance applies and so on. Uh, The bigger picture, though, behind uh, this is probably even more uh, startling, Put simply, the industry is telling us right now that it's in an existential crisis. Uh, This goes way beyond uh, anything, uh, certainly within living memory for most people, since World War II probably, uh, and that takes us through the the, the oil shock, uh, certainly through 9-11, through uh, all the other uh, illnesses that that we've had uh, in recent decades. Mm. And that's essentially because the industry is being shut down. It's not 10% of traffic, it's not 20%. Uh, ultimately, uh, airlines are now finding themselves in a position, certainly in Europe, as, as the, the pandemic uh, pandemic's fo- focus shifts here. Um, you know, we're seeing, as you said, 75%, 80%, 90% possibly of all capacity uh, closing down at Air France KLM, for example, and yeah. Ryanair saying they may cl- ground the entire fleet literally the entire fleet. Um, Yeah, it's staggering, isn't it? The numbers are absolutely staggering. But Chris, this is where I want to talk about it and where it's relevant politically in the sense that does this raise the idea of returning to national flag carriers or to a massive bailout of the airline industry, perhaps across Europe and across the world? I mean, certainly that's what some of the airline um, industry executives are sort of starting to ask for. It is. And... um, We've seen the, the beginnings of that. Certainly, I think a bailout is probably the the most accurate word to use at the moment because we don't quite know what form rescues might take. Uh, at, at one end of things, we've already seen action in terms of um, uh, the slot regime being suspended where carriers don't have to uh, operate 80% of flights to retain their operating slots. Uh, and um, we've, we've started to see an easing of taxation regimes and, and so on. But really, this is about cash. Airlines are not flying, they're not going to get cash, but they've got still got fixed costs, many of them, uh, you know, even if they uh, get rid of significant proportions of the workforce and then they're not consuming jet fuel, they've still got very high fixed costs, certainly those that lease aircraft, for example. Um, and... and I think that the watchword is even those very healthy airlines feel that they are um, now in the firing line and governments are under are going to be under pressure certainly around the world but but here in Europe where um, we've seen over 
past decades, a gradual move into um, denationalisation, privatisation of airlines yeah, yeah. Uh, from from the sort of really from the eighties onwards, um, where it's become yeah. unusual for airlines to be state owned. That's the big question: Will that be reversed? Um, we've had uh, yeah. hints of that at Lufthansa in Germany, which might seem surprising. Air France KLM has already still got uh, some state ownership. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's have a look at what else is making the news in the world of politics. Uh, In the Financial Times and also the Guardian newspaper today, four out of five Britons are expected to become infected with the coronavirus. But this number is new. Almost eight million people may need to be taken into hospital in a, quote, reasonable worst case scenario. This, according to a leaked document from Public Health England, uh, which basically is the bleakest assessment so far of the course of the outbreak. So those lines appearing in the FD and also uh, in the Guardian. Uh, So also coronavirus and the crisis will last until the spring of 2021. So this may not be a short-lived pandemic, could have a very, very long tail risk. Um, This also, as we hear now from uh, the Chancellor, that actually uh, Rishi Sunak will be chairing a committee on the economic response to the virus. Um, We're already hearing, for example, uh, that the airlines are under huge strain. What will that mean in terms of job losses? Um, The data out of China, of course, which had seen the coronavirus outbreak first, showed that the unemployment rate spiked in January and February. So that will perhaps raise some red flags in Europe and here in the UK about what it will mean for jobs. So Rishi Sunak is going to chair this new committee on the economic and business response to the coronavirus outbreak. This according to the government spokesman James Slack uh, earlier this morning. The remit of the committee also will be announced shortly. So it does seem as if the government is really trying to step up measures as it deals with the virus. But then also, um, more broadly today, the piece in Politico this morning, an absolutely searing read. The incompetence pandemic was the headline of the news article, all about the failure of leadership in the face of this virus. Um, So that uh, really caught my eye, calling it politics darkest hour. The first victim of the pandemic is leadership and actually Politico taking aim at Beijing, Brussels, Rome, Washington, London and beyond that there's been this dangerous game of passing, of obfuscation, of reality denial about uh, what is the virus is going to mean about the cost in terms of lives and uh, delaying the response or, or not having a resolute enough response to the coronavirus. So those are some of the news stories that I've been watching this morning morning uh, in terms of uh, catching my attention uh, and the world of politics. But let me bring in now my guest uh, for this programme, Ben Page, who is Chief Executive at Ipsos Mori. Good to speak to you again, Ben. Look, you've got some really fascinating detail about the approval rating for the government, how it's been handling coronavirus in Britain. So what do people say about Bojo at the moment? Well, his rating and his personal rating is down slightly, but in terms of the government's handling of the crisis, 
at the, as it, at, when it began in February, 63% said they were happy with the way the government was going about containing the virus. That's fallen to 50%. Uh, it seems to be sort of stable there. And um, just to give you some context, it's that's actually similar or better to the ratings in France and Germany. Uh, so it's not it's not sort of terrible. Uh, the Italian government has 56% approval from its residents uh, with total lockdown. Uh, but it just shows the pressures that you know that people see. One thing I would say quickly is that when you have this type of crisis, we saw this after 9/11. Actually, people look to the government for answers, and mm. we've heard that, of course, the government's now going to do um, daily broadcasts in the way that other governments have started doing. And overall, the typical thing that happens ultimately is that trust in the government goes up. Mm. We'll see what happens this time. Yeah, indeed. No, I do think that is um, an interesting point to make. Uh, people, you know, looking, yeah, looking for guidance, obviously. Um, but then what about support for quarantine um, here in the UK? Obviously, as many of our neighbours, you know, Ireland closing the pubs. It's St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. Uh, France, Spain, Italy, draconian measures, as we know. So is there support for doing that here in the UK? Because the government's been very worried about bringing in such measures, you know, fearing perhaps that people wouldn't stick to them long enough for it to make a difference? Well, I think the t- two things to say on that. So first of all, 70% of the public support the idea of quarantining towns or cities. Uh, so I think the British public, frankly, is ready for whatever it takes in order to deal with this. But of course, the government's strategy is to try and avoid what happened with the 1918 Spanish flu virus, where there was, a, there was an initial peak and everybody sort of thought it was dealt with. And then they come out of whatever measures they're under. And, of course, then there's a bigger second peak. And that is the difference. Britain is an outlier at the moment in terms of how it's approaching it um, compared to other European countries, but not North America. Because the belief in government is that if we go into lockdown, we won't be able to sustain it for long enough um, to actually see off the virus. And by what they're trying to do is basically have the virus sort of circulate with enough to leave enough capacity in the NHS to cope with it in Britain. We will mm. see if this is the right one. In, in, in about two weeks, we will find out if we're Italy or not. Mm. Uh, it really is very, very dramatic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, perhaps also this explains the leaked document from Public Health England about the, you know, the idea that coronavirus could last until 2021 and that the fear is that you, know, you could have as many as 8 million people needing to be taken into hospital. So I, I suppose that's the backdrop of that, isn't it? What about, though, and I mentioned you know, the possibility of job losses, I think that that's also really only beginning to sink in to public consciousness, isn't it, as companies begin to take action uh, and that is reflected in your numbers in terms of how no. many people um, think that they're going to suffer financially from this. Absolutely. So as of, as of Friday night, and I think things have moved even further since Friday night, but as of Friday night, uh, 50% of the British expected to suffer financially as a result of the crisis. That is up from uh, you know, 30% the week before, so a pretty rapid change to Friday night. And also a third of people on Friday thought that their jobs were going to be at risk. Uh, and that's up from 22% uh, at um, a week before. So, you know, we're now a, a third of the population is not going to become unemployed, but it just shows the level of anxiety that's out there. And we are starting to approach, in terms of public attitudes, things that are close to what happened 
after 2008. Hmm. Yeah, that's that is interesting that you say a third of people now worried about their job. I mean, perhaps again, not surprising given uh, you know the news from the airlines uh, this morning and so many businesses sort of uh, taking action to make people work from home. And obviously, you can't do that if you're in a sort of service industry, cutting hair, or waiting tables, or whatever it you know might be. Um, what about then the expectation actually of people getting the disease? Because you know. Yes, we may be worried about what it does um, to our wallets and to our jobs and our job security, but fundamentally people are, must be concerned about their health. They are, of course, and I'm, I'm afraid that at the moment the public is still probably underestimating their chances of catching it. So the proportion of people who think they are personally going to catch it has risen from 9% to 1 in 5, 19% over the last week. But uh, in, if the experts are right, it's it is much more likely to be 50 to 60% of people are going to, are going to catch it as a minimum um, at some point or another. And uh, so we're sort of overestimating this and um, sorry, underestimating our likelihood of catching it. I think as it becomes clearer, uh, you will see people starting to take more and more measures to stay at home, you know, stay away from pubs and restaurants and events, etc. Mm. But uh, it's, it's a, I think that what's really striking about this crisis is just the speed at which it's developing. And for those of us who were around in 2008, it, it just feels so much faster. Yeah, and perhaps that's, I, I think, partly to do with social media. I mean, obviously, the, the disease spreading itself, but also that we're constantly attached to the mobile phone and we have the information to hand, which obviously makes things, um, you, know, you know, all the more alarming. What yes. do you think then is the impact of now two MPs also being diagnosed with coronavirus? You know, I, I note that um, that it... The, the uh, I think it was the health minister who stood up to answer questions in the House of Commons, uh, what, last week or uh, just a few days ago. And that was very much, I feel, kind of pushed by the fact that the first MP had been diagnosed with, with coronavirus. Sure, well, it's just going to be, we are all going to know one, two, three or more people who've, who've got it or had it or have recovered from it. Um, in my business, I've got seven people currently in lockdown. Uh, you know, it's, it's going, this is just going to become normal. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how adaptable human beings are once they see clear and present uh, reasons to change their behavior. We've already seen that with stockpiling by, you know, buying mm. and bulk buying in shops, people going crazy on, you know, on toilet roll, etc. cetera. Um, and you could argue, actually, that's in some ways rational if you're thinking you're going to be locked down for two weeks. But, but um, then but lots no. of people have asked, why toilet roll, right? I mean, you could stock up on all sorts of essentials. I have you asked that question? <laughs> we haven't. But we, have, <laughs> uh, we have seven. At the moment in Britain, we have 17% of people who say they're stockpiling. Um, I don't. I suspect that might be a slight understatement, but you know, most people most people will try and keep calm and carry on. Uh, in, indeed, in most countries, uh, but it, it is going to need a firm response from government, uh, a firm response from central banks, and the big question on every you know for everybody and for every business is: Is this a three-month thing that we get through, or is it something much much deeper and longer term? Because that has all sorts of implications about how many jobs you shared or don't shed and that that is that's what you know the risk that we um that in some ways we almost overreact
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's see how many weeks or months it may last. Thank you so much for joining me, Ben Page, Chief Executive at Ipsos Moray. Really um, interesting conversation in terms of the attitudes of Britons now essentially um, you know, approving of the government response to the tune of 50%, but also many people supporting quarantining cities and towns, some 70%, um, Ben was mentioning, in support of that potential measure. Of course, it hasn't happened. The government still trying to hold off, but we will know more when the Prime Minister exits the COBA meeting this afternoon and gives us the first of these daily updates now on the spread of coronavirus. Uh, we have, of course, uh, what more than 1,370 cases uh, up until Sunday. We'll also get a renewed figure on the spread of the infection uh, in the UK later on today. The number of deaths at 35 at the moment. No doubt we'll be talking to you much more about coronavirus tomorrow on Bloomberg Westminster. Thanks for listening. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way from design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.